Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, what's up? It's Tyler, and this is another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club Podcast. I hope you guys are doing okay out there. I hope you're doing good, all things considered. Um, life is looking a little bit better, except for, you know, I guess it's just uh, the the nightmare of existence in this world has been um, moved offshore to a degree, and bad things are happening to other people. That aren't me. I don't know. It, 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 it's bad. It's bad all around. I don't think it'll ever be good again. Maybe it never was. I think you just get older. And then you just get to a, a time when you start actually like paying attention to the news. And then you just can't remember a time when it was good. Ever. I mean, literally to this year. I mean, we're looking at. Yeah, I, I'm, we're just a few a few short days away from 9-11. Is it? Yeah, two days away from 9-11 as of this recording, which means it'll be 20 years since uh, since I watched the fucking towers fall, and uh, maybe 20 years before we become, all of us that remember when it happened, we're going to be like those old people, and then every once in a while, a young person will be like mildly curious and be like, "Did you? were you alive during 9-11? And you'll be like, well, I am 50. Five, fifty-three, and you'll be like, "Yeah, it happened in two thousand and one." How young or old do you think I am? But <laughs> and, and then the kid will be like, "I heard that's when uh, like Muslims decided to blow up America and blah blah blah." And the kid's like, "No, no, it wasn't just like I mean they were, but they were from Saudi Arabia." And they're like, "What about Afghanistan?" You're like, "No, I'm, there was no one." The guy that did it kind of hit out there and then we we started a a war that was 20 years long and they're like yeah my dad was in it <laughs> my, my grandpa was in that war and so was my dad oh jesus uh, uh i don't know where i'm going with this i guess i'm just feeling i'm feeling a lot of feelings i don't know if i talked about this if it's been long enough i've been deciding to do a little bit more hlc stuff during the summer, and now that I kind of have my life life back on track to a certain degree, and I'm a little bit more balanced, and I'm a little bit more leveled out, um, I'm feeling like uh, like I can do entertainment things again that are actual like stuff I can talk to you guys about. I mean, like I played Splitgate it was like my only way to relax for maybe like a month during the the reconstruction of my house. I would just get off and I would play like random games. Splitgate's like a free version of like, it's like Halo and Portal mixed together. It's okay. Pretty okay. Good way to spend some time. You can always just, it, it's like Counter-Strike used to be back in the day before it got, it got conquered by um, 
just sweaty, try hard. Counter Strike is like chess for people that don't even have the social skills to talk to just one more person, and like internet people. You know, uh, it's just you're you're walking into a fucking maelstrom. Like you're just sitting down at one of those chess tables in Central Park in New York City with some guy that has like a random thing open. Only it's five of them. They've known each other for ten years, and like literally all they do is just pub stomp all day. <laughs> Splitgate's not quite like that yet. Then you just go in, you pick up a game, play two or three games, get off. You burn up forty five minutes, feel a little bit better about yourself. But I've I've gotten to start playing some some actual good games again. Psychonauts, man, Psychonauts is amazing. And uh, we're gonna start watching some horror movies. I I might try to. St- get my wife to sneak out to go see Candyman tonight or, or, or maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, kind of in other news, I think I've mentioned this, but um, I'm on a normal, a human being schedule for the first time in, in probably 15 years, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, I wake up at nine or actually I wake up at like 8 AM and then I, I go to sleep at like 11 PM, 12 PM. It's fucking insane. I've been living on second schedule or second shift schedules and third shift schedules for like so long. I I didn't even know. It's actually kind of great that working on something like second shift is one of those things where you try to convince yourself that it's good by like constantly mentioning like the three benefits that there are to it, which are like pretty much negligible. Like, yeah, I guess I can get up and go grocery shopping at like 10 AM, but (laughs) assuming you get up that early, but then you, you, you kind of like, uh, you, you you do that for long enough, and then you switch to 9 to 5, and you're like, oh, my God, this is what daylight's like. Like, I get off work, and it's just 5, and then I can just go to a restaurant. It's not like we have to hurry up and try to get, like, the last plate of food someplace is serving at, like, 10 p.m. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, just uh, live, in, live in blissful ignorance of, of second shift schedules. They're fucking horrible. If you If you work a second shift, still or or have for a long time like uh hop on the the facebook or whatever and tell me about it tell me about your your woes if you're out there on third shift like i know some of my people that i've talked to especially people on the patreon stuff work uh as third stiff third shift stalkers which is like you're really asking for you listening to horror stuff uh on one on those dark loading docks you know in the middle of the night watching the uh the semi truck trucks kind of glide underneath those distant street lamps and, and, and just waiting for, for people to come up out of the dark. That's the type of job that, you know, you just don't really see in movies. And I think you should because, uh, shipping docks are creepy to work on at all. Um, they're dangerous as fuck and they're weird and you're in constant contact with like long haul truckers who are the, highest potential for weird that like human beings can be. And if you're out there and you're a long haul trucker, you get what I mean. I'm not making messing with you or generalizing too much, but just people that drive for a living, man, it's a, it's one of those jobs. That's like a catch all, which honestly, so is doc doc worker. You know what I mean? Any, any second shift flex hour job. It's like any job that hires felons, like straight up, and it's not that felons are bad, but that will do that. That'll just take anybody. You'll see some fucking characters. 
I'm from like the rotten suburbs, like real working class. Like, you know, all those places that you get off on the highway and there's like a Chili's and like 15 gas stations and shit. Like I'm from there. I'm from Bridgetown. Um, There was nothing interesting to do near my house. You could go into the woods and um, if you were young, you would maybe ride your bike in the woods and then you would get you'd run out of woods to ride your bike in. And then you would go do some shit. And then if you were older, you might go into the woods and play paintball and smoke dope. And then you would get done with that and you would go and fuck off and do some shit. It's just suburban sprawl. It's like a culturalist void just designed for like people in their mid thirties to like, I think this is going to be a good place to raise a child because like everything in the mind of, of Americans back in the 1990s, was just this idea of the 1950s that wasn't real. You know, this white-centric view of there just needs to be lawns and, and, and crystal clear, perfect, white, chalky fucking sidewalks everywhere and beautiful, dark, black, fresh-poured fucking streets. And everything is just a, a, a perfect version of that color. And there's just a few birds. I have one tree that's a stick of a trunk with a ball-shaped chunk of leaves on top. We celebrate Christmas and there's lights everywhere. And every Halloween, there's four million kids. And, you know, like that worked for one fucking half of a generation. And then it died. It died while I was there. My parents' neighborhood still has a bunch of kids in it. Um, but it's getting less and less. The neighborhood I live in right now is supposed to be like a suburbs and there's no fucking kids because everybody that's my age does not have fucking kids. And so these places are like these fucking, these, these Reaganite designed for, I mean, basically they're a fucking cunt hair shy of just being just like outright fascist breeding grounds. I mean, if you think about it, every house looks exactly the same. They're all colors of beige everybody's always in everybody else's business only to fuck with them about shit that deviates from the norm. But I could not tell you more than like four or five of the neighbors I grew up next to. And like, there's always churches nearby, you know, and like, but there's no real cultural festivals that aren't church related. You don't see anybody that's not like you ever. There's no cultural trade-off between other people. I mean, like, I'm literally German, right? German, Irish, Catholic is my full-on background. And I didn't really learn anything about Germany until I was in fucking high school taking German classes. We have German classes in our high school. I don't even know if they teach those anywhere else in America because culturally, my neighborhood, my entire fucking area, the entire west side of Cincinnati is supposed to be German. But nobody has any connection to their cultural roots. Because we live in this fucking post-Reaganite fucking sprawling nightmare of just grass and sidewalks and streets and grass and sidewalks and streets. And I think the main thing is like, I remember people talking when I was a kid that if people had like too many bushes or too many trees inside their front yard and you couldn't see the front of their house, they were probably up to something. So you didn't have any real privacy, you know, and that, that, that's a cut down. It's like, if I, you think I'm talking out of my ass about fascism, I'm dead ass serious about this. I've been, I'm fucking all tweaked up, but I've been watching and reading and listening to these things about the actual architectural 
purpose of fascism, and it's like minimalism and stuff and what people think about that, is like at the heart of a fascistic existence because it eliminates the need or even the impression of impression of individuality. So, you know, if you think about all the suburban neighborhoods, no, and not everyone's exactly the same, but they're very close. Like, I can't tell sometimes differences between, like, different suburban neighborhoods. If I, you get out into the Midwest, Midwest, like, when I was in North Dakota, that place is just a series of fucking crisscrossing grids. And all of the houses look almost exactly the same. Similar decorations are allowed, you know, a few, a few novel decorations, but it's not like... Kind of like where I live now, where the city, this this suburban area is kind of being retaken by people that fucking, um, and people have just like Halloween decorations up like year round because they dead ass like horror stuff, and it's not me, and 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 weird different colored homes and stuff, and and unique front yards and like yards that stretch all the way out to the fucking, literally from every inch of their property is just covered in like crazy flowers and shit, and that did not exist where I'm from. Which is insane because it's the natural state of this place. Like, I live in the woods. You know what I mean? I like I live literally in what used to be a swamp, and now it's just this empty place full of all these fucking buildings. It's insane, and that's like the heart of fascism. You want everybody to get to a point where they're afraid to understand individuality and their own, and by default, their own understanding of themselves as an individual. And as of a person with value, you want people to be like, I am being impeded in my ability to be part of the fascist group. But you don't want anyone to ever say I'm being impeded in my ability to be me. That's why you see like all these fucking Christo fascists like in fucking Texas and shit. They get all fucking fired up because they say they never say I want to be myself like this is what represents, you know, Tom Davidson. They want they say. I'm not being allowed to be a Christian. I'm not allowed to be an American, which means you're forcing me to do stuff that makes me potentially become separated from my fucking fascist hive mind. And that is dangerous for me, both politically and maybe even and, and spiritually, but maybe even physically, because I was raised around a culture where anybody that deviates from the norm can and should be bullied and, and, and experience violence in order to be brought back into the norm. That's why when you go to places that are out there that embrace that sort of lifestyle, they still do, they still beat up on gay kids, you know, and they beat up on black people and, 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 and non-natives. Uh, the, the, the Chinese, like, if you ever think, like, why are people so virulently racist? Because you know individually, like, as a, as a person, you have to know, A, that it's wrong. Like, you just have to know that you're in the wrong. And B, like, this is America in 2021. Everybody has fucking cameras. We're going to find out who you are. We're going to fucking destroy you because a lot of us fucking hate that so much. It's because they're literally because they're fascists. (laughs) The point of doing that is because this individual is potentially going to create a harm to the fascist superstructure that they're a part of. You know, it, it's not even like a real human reaction. They don't even physically, they probably couldn't not do that. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, you can see that in the way that some of these racists approach these people. That they, they, they act like they're not quite human. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, like almost like robots. And some of them look like they're drunk and they're not. And they're just fucking like literally they're out of their mind. It reminds me when people get battle high in combat. You know what I mean? You get shot at or even you're just fighting a dude. And then when you come out of it, dude's eyes are like glassed over. If you watch a lot of UFC and you see a dude after a particularly fucking egregious win and you see that look in his eyes where he's like, it's like he's looking out in the crowd, but like you can tell he's not. That's the quote unquote thousand yard stare. That shit is very similar to what I think a lot of these people are experiencing. And it's, hey, I know that if I let this behavior continue, it could potentially harm everything because any expression of individuality and any expression of non-fascist identity, anything that's not literally white Christo-fascist or something like they call them useful idiots, beneficial to white Christo-fascism is going to be harmful to me, to my overall order. And so they kind of lose their fucking minds and they start doing this shit. And they always are so self-righteous about it because they are in their minds correct. You know what I mean? Like I've seen people be violent and mean to other people because they want to hurt them personally. And it looks different, you know, but these, 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 these people are like, they come from wealth and they come from privilege and shit. You know what I'm saying? It's, this isn't like a schoolyard grudge where it's just like, I fucking hate this guy because I've known him for 20 years or 10 years or five years or, or any amount of time. And just his existence his existence fucking like it, it it makes my skin boil. Like I want to fucking rip the flesh off my skull and then form that into some sort of weapon with which to whip the skin off of his skull too. Like I will destroy myself to attack this person. That's like my favorite kind of hatred, I guess. This, 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 this stuff that these people do is just so banal and so, uh, so self-righteous it, it sort of like tells on itself you know and a lot of these people you see them on on tiktok on the news getting caught they are always from positions of 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 privilege you know like high level senior analysts at at this data company or or business owners or 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 uh, church organizers and stuff radio hosts they're not the kind of people who should be risking their career on something stupid. And it's not that they think they can get away with it. You know what I mean? Because they're privileged. Um, Clearly they can't. And that is not only just evident for years now, you know, people have been putting these fucking white Karen freak out type shits on the internet. And these people get fired. A lot of them get arrested and put in jail. It's because they don't think they're doing anything wrong. They think they are doing the right thing. You know what I mean? They're, they're coming out. They're brain poisoned by fascism and they're doing that shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore, but it's a, it's a fucking, it's a wild world we live in, you know, and this is the kind of shit I think about before I write anyway. But, you know, on brain poisoning, um, I think that's a good lead into one of the things I wanted to talk about today, which is psychonauts. Psychonauts is fucking great. I don't know if you guys have ever played it, but um, the original Psychonauts is a game I sort of floated around. Like it, it's it's a legendary game. The original Psychonauts. It came out um, I think twenty years ago, 20, 20, 25 years ago. 
it's like a PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 game. You know, so, I mean, back in the day. Literally, the first people that were playing it are my age and were, like, demographic for the game. 13, 12, 10 to 13 years old, I would think. And, uh, you know, it is, it is like, kind of weirdly a product of its time. It's really interesting um, because I'm playing Psychonauts 2, and I'll talk about them together, uh, to kind of see the progression of culture over those 20 years in respect to um, the things that the games are about. Um, just to, 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 to describe it, um, this is a game from Double Fine Games. It's Tim Schafer's outfit. They made like Brutal Legend, uh, Grim Fandango, I believe, um, that guy th- Thrushbush, Thrybush game that I never played that everyone says is, is really amazing. Pirates of something or other. Uh, anybody that actually knows what game I'm talking about, they're all huge fans of Dream Back. It's that thing! But um, Psychonauts came out, you know, back in the early 2000s, I think, late 90s, something that era. And uh, that was back when you could just hear that something existed and then never see it, ever, because of just the way that games are. Um, It's a game about psychonauts, uh, like an astronaut. They go into people's brains in in a mental projection sort of way. They astrally project themselves into other people's thoughts and people's, you know, internal um, mindscape. You get to see what they think about and how they feel and stuff. And uh, a main purpose of a professional psychonaut is to um, basically be a sort of a spy, but also really to help people deal with trauma on an internal level or or, or things that are bugging them in order to get them back to a, a good place mental health-wise. And so it's a really interesting... Uh, concept you know and it's it's fun the first game is executed uh wonderfully it's very interesting they really push old technology to its absolute limits and you can kind of tell that it's um it's it's one of the games that i the kind of games that i i like the most um it's very much a game it understands that it is a game and so it has game mechanics i don't even know how to describe this well but, you know, there will be different parts that are um, basically different mechanically than other ones. And so you kind of get to mess around and and they use the idea of you playing the game in order to kind of affect the story and stuff. And there's a lot of diegetic stuff and like neat little um, curiosities. But the best thing about it is the writing and the writing is very, 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 very funny. Um, the, and also pretty um Pretty dated, but not in a bad way. Um, usually when you say writing from the 2000s is dated, you just end up finding out that somebody said uh, just homophobic slurs a lot. And there were, you know, maybe a few blackface characters or, or um, I don't even know if you can say this word anymore, but I feel like you can. A wigga, which is like the grossest thing ever. Um, yeah, I feel like I maybe, now that I've said it, let me just even talk about that. It's just a perfect encapsulation of the early 2000s. That word, which I will call the uh, incidental W slur, is literally just, uh, you know, combining the words white and then the N-word together to describe a white person who is um, sort of steeped in, in hip-hop culture and uh, potentially engaging in 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 certain in certain behaviors that uh today you would call it blackfishing after a fashion that is um pretending 
sorry. That is pretending to be uh, a black person, um, not in a in a blackface way, but by just approximating, you know, black American culture, aphorisms, um, ways of moving your body, not necessarily dance, but like literally just like trying to affect like, you know, like a slouch or something, just trying to sit around like your fucking ice cube back in the day. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not great. That word, though, this W word, which I'm not saying not out of uh, deference to to my white brothers out there, but because it, it's actually far grosser. The inference when it came out was that black people are inferior and a white person that acts like a black person is so gross as to they have to have their own word for it, which is it, it's wild. It's crazy that I never hear people even bring it up anymore, but it just, at the time, it seemed like such a cultural thing. I guess maybe because it was really popular at my very, very large high school. So, um, you know, and, and it was used derisively for all of the associated ways. Looking back on it, I don't think I, I don't think I said it too, too much. Um, it doesn't really come off the tongue well, and it does sound like the much worse version of what it is. So, you know, it's, it's better not to risk it. But we did have some guys, you know, and now looking back on it, you kind of understand culturally what it was. It was not dudes black fishing or whatever the fuck or, you know, trying to whatever fit in or, 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 or steal black culture. It was just dudes from white guys from all black neighborhoods because we had, you know, a really mixed scene, you know, and there's there's poor kids from Price Hill that grew up around black kids and their parents would bust them to Oak Hills to keep them from going to the black high schools. Hey man, I didn't do it's racism, but when they were at Oak Hills, they were like the most wild fish out of water because they would just talk like with the neighborhood that they live in. I've got people in my family that talk like that. You know what I'm saying? They do the whole fucking you know, talk out of the side of your mouth kind of deal, face tats and all that, what have you, and 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 they dress just like they live, you know, in that sort of neighborhood pants sagged and all that sort of shit. And it's just whatever, man, it's, it's that street. And because they were bust out, you know, they looked like just an absolute mockery of a person because it's like, dude, why are you like literally acting like you're on the TV? You know, like this is like, we're a bunch of fucking suburban white kids. Like, you know, we all have our problems, but even a lot of us, you know, that went there blue collar or, or from outright poor families, but we still didn't act the way that they did. We didn't adopt any sort of black culture into our retinue. It is because they lived in an all black neighborhood and they just talked like literally the kids that they grew up with. You know, they, they didn't fucking know. It's not like this 13 year old person was just actively like waking up every day and being like, okay, it's time to put on my, 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 my best black person impression. Like, no, they just, they wore all of the clothes from their neighborhood. They wore the clothes like those kids in that neighborhood wore those clothes. Um, and it was wild. There was just like, we were, a lot of the kids, maybe even from those neighborhoods that were not white, should have been coming to our fucking school too. But there's just a history of segregation and shit. And even in Cincinnati, which, you know, wasn't that bad as far as the grand scale of like how segregation works in America. Like it was kind of a de, de facto, you know, but it wasn't like de jure. So it wasn't like, Ferguson, where they literally put fucking concrete blocks in the road to keep 
black people from going into white neighborhoods or even driving through them. But still the racism was there and there were, there were like, you know, all black enclaves and there's all, all Hispanic and all, uh, I think there's, there's a few all Indian neighborhoods actually too, um, up by the campus, but they're not, they're, they're pretty nice. Those are, um, those are a lot of really wealthy people actually. But, uh, the, 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 as a, as a relic of the time, just that concept even is insane. And you wouldn't even, uh, you wouldn't even really probably understand it. Like looking back, the way that those kids dressed was how almost anybody dresses today. You know what I'm saying? Slightly oversized t-shirt, maybe a few chains, um, wife beater underneath and like, slightly sagged pants that were just it was jinko back in the day jinko the fubu wear if you remember fubu just baggy as fuck dude uh yeah you couldn't even keep those things on your ass without wearing a belt nobody wore a fucking belt in high school unless they were fucking nerd bro but just that that word and that sense of like uh black people being able to like culturally poison the white youth i think is really where that went for because while it was technically a youth term, this W word, uh, I and me and my friends basically didn't use it, you know. And it's not like me trying to fucking like, like I'm I'm too good for it. Like we understood it, but it sounded gross. But adults used it all the time, dude. Like, and I think that might be why even we were like, what the fuck, you know what I mean? Because like, if adults started using some if you go to high school, I have to assume when on fleek, which is like a really good, you know, cultural word and, and expression. Like if you just heard your like, hey, everybody, um, welcome to English 102. You're looking on fleek today. You're like, well, I'm never saying that again. <laughs> um, and so but yeah, no, these fucking people, even teachers would say like, wow, I guess you're just dressing like, a, you know, today which is really just kind of a sideways way of saying the N word in my opinion anyway, because it's like, well, it literally is because it's a portmanteau, but I digress. Port psychonauts back to psychonauts. It's, it's not an, a relic of its time in that respect. Although there is some like, uh, you know, stuff that people wouldn't be cool with today. There's one of the, it, it takes place at a summer camp and all the kids are between the ages of about 10 to 12 ish, you know, and they all have psychic powers and they all have like little kid interests. And almost all of them are engaged in some sort of relationship, which I guess is probably fine. You know, like they, they, they do like kissing and stuff, but not like uh gross, like make out stuff. There's, there's, I think only one couple you ever see and they just go bash their faces against each other. There's one kid who's just like girl crazy and peeks through like a hole into the girl's um, sleeping area, but not while any of them are in there. And it, it is what it is, you know. Um, and there's some a little bit of off color stuff, but there's no like outright. No, no, nothing, nothing approximating bigotry, which is crazy, too, because back in the day, man. Like early 2000s, there was a rash and I can't even think of anything off the top of my head, but just like kind of just, it's just culturally insensitive, culturally insensitive, culturally insensitive 
stuff was just everywhere. What people might call like a microaggression today. Where, you know, you could not have anything without having a gay character that was like as flamboyant as, as like, uh, I don't know, just any any random person on, on, on fucking RuPaul's Drag Race just like maxed out, even though they're like a 13-year-old kid doing like nothing particular. Oh, my God. And they would always be, you know, played up. And actually back then, too, they wouldn't even be played necessarily positively. They'd be like a sissy character, which is... I think the closest thing that you get to like uh, a gay version of, of, of like a minstrel show is the, the gay sissy, which is, I I'm very happy to say is kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, people give a lot of flack to the gay best friend, rightfully so in, in media, which is just kind of an irritating character. Um, in general, uh, they're very flat. It's good that it's good, especially when, you know, at least if somebody, if a gay person is getting a job in Hollywood and they get to be gay, good. But I mean, that's the first stumbling step to actual representation where you just have an actual gay person living their fucking life on screen. Much, much better. A little bit more three-dimensional than I am a prop of this fucking white lady kind of thing. But um, there, there's, there's, there's none of that really, you know, uh, and, and there's none of the sissy character type things where there's like, you know, some kid that's not very masculine. And so he's also extremely gay coded and he trips and stumbles and cries about everything. Um, I'm glad there's not nothing like that in there. Or if there is, I, I can't really remember. Most of the kids are really just kids. Even the kid that's like a creeper looking through the window is just like kind of played for being a goof, you know, and the girls all know about him and they're like, you're gross and stop doing that. And you know, it is what it is. But, uh, the rest of it's, it's, it's really good. It's a lot about, um, you know, kind of dealing with stuff on the inside and the ultimate narrative is him dealing with, uh, basically coming out to his dad as a psychic and his dad hates psychics and his dad is actually probably a psychic himself, even though he's never shared it with his family. And you can kind of see the parallels and he kind of faces this bad demonic version of his dad in his head. It helps another person deal with their own version of their dad and uh, whose real dad, who is a psychic, like I said, comes into his kind of mind space at the end and, and and has a talk and he's like, wow, that's how you see me. And he's like, yeah, he's like, well, I don't blame you. If, if that's how you see me, it's probably my bad. So we, we should work on that sort of thing. And it's nice. It's, it, it ends nicely. Some of the stuff is a little, a lot of what's dated is kind of just corny, but not in an, in an offensive way. It's just like, Oh yeah. And I swear to God, I think there's even some mistake, like some references and shit, some minor pop culture things that I have forgotten but they sound familiar. You know, when you hear a joke in an old show and you're like, wait, was that, was that a 1995 meme or what? (laughs) But, um, no, it was great. But Psychonauts two is kind of just like everything that was good about Psychonauts on steroids. It's just so much fucking fun. I wish I was playing it right now instead of talking to you fucking losers. No, <laughs> the um, Second Nuts 2 takes place literally like three days after the original and they constantly make fun of the fact that they're like, basically they kind of got stuck, you know, 
it's been 20 years since the original one came out, I think. Right around 20 years. And only three days have taken place in between the first and the second one. So they're like, yeah, we don't know what to do about that. And they, they kind of you know, make asides to it and stuff. But it's not, it's not too bad. Um, but you can just really tell the difference between the first and the second one in, in terms of just inclusivity and the kind of characters that they have. The first one was definitely like kind of white kids, summer camp. And there was like a one, maybe two black kids. There's one kid. He's definitely like a black kid. He's, he's voiced, I think by, um, oh, what is his name? Is it Jamal White? I cannot remember. It's the guy that voices um, Samurai Jack. I just, I recognize every time I hear his voice, I'm like, it's that guy. He, he's everywhere. He voices, damn, come on. It's, where it, it's so insane. Like in my head, I can hear the tone of his voice. He's got like a kind of a, a middle high pitched, like, hey guys, come on. Like that, that's what he sounds like. But he's also got like a bunch of other voices he can do. But normally when he talks, he talks like this. And he's he's that and he's that in that one too. What the fuck else is he in? Hold on. Nah, not fucking. I'm not gonna look it up. But you know, he he's one of those legendary dudes. And there's a few other ones. Oh fucking obviously, uh, and I can't remember his name either, but the main character, Rasputin or Raz, is played by um the guy that plays Invader Zim. So like if you really want to fucking check off your early two thousands bingo. You get Zim the whole time. I can't do his voice at all. Uh, but it, it, it's a blast. And then they pick up. You can tell. You can just tell that the guy that did Zim is like 20 years older. His voice is just way rougher. Um, especially because I played the original Psychonauts. was on sale for like 99 cents on Steam. By the way, they're both available on Steam. I, I, I suggest you play both of them if you got some time. If you have kids and you want to just hang out and let your kid play something that you can just let them run with definitely I would recommend this game. I, I could not see, I couldn't see any, any kid that couldn't handle a PG movie, not being able to handle this game. I think the worst thing that happens is uh, somebody says ass, they say ass in it. And like literally only really only in the term of uh, kicking ass. But, uh, the fuck was I just saying? Yeah, I like Second Nuts too. So Second Nuts too is crazy, man. They got all kinds of characters. I think there's fucking just and tons of like little you know different ethnicities and stuff. The character designs are amazing. Um, they really went all out uh, between the first and the second game, kind of just putting together the secondary characters. In the first game, you can just tell. I mean, they were just limited really by um, the capabilities of the machines at the time. So you have Raz, and it's it's a very animated very script heavy every character has its own his own name his or her own name they have their own dialogue lines they have their own personality and stuff and so you have to do all of that with very few pixels which if you don't know much about old school video games you could only have something like whatever 2000 um polygons i meant to say you can only have something like 2000 polygons on a screen at any given time and then it went up to like 20,000 and then it went up to like like nowadays it's what it's something like whatever a million or something fucking ridiculously high but at the time it was like whatever a thousand and so each polygon is part of the shape of somebody's face and so Raz who has to be very expressive and you're constantly looking at him and because these things happen in game he has to be made out of most of the available polygons he's probably at any given time you know 50 to 65 percent of what's happening on screen 
And then all of the other characters who have these very interesting designs are also extremely simple. So, you know, some of them are just like two eyeballs attached to like a cone or something. And there's like the bully character, I think is probably the second most detailed one. And he's got a gigantic head of hair and some teeth and some gross gums. But in the second game, um, they really let, Schaefer and I guess his crew let loose because you know you can you can render anything. It's it's made on the fucking Unreal Engine, so it's fire, great lighting, great particle effects. It's all it looks amazing. Um, and so they have all just kind of like really really good looking characters. They're amazing. Um, I won't get too in depth about it because I'd kind of just be listing off stuff, but um. They're very, they're very interesting. They're really like multicultural. They kind of come from all over the place and they have very differing like in, in ideas of what to do and, and their own, they're, they are their own unique kids. They're all probably about mid to late teens. I'd say 16, 17 years old is probably the oldest of these secondary characters that are the interns. And then you have the, um, the adult characters too, some returning from the original game and then, um, others that are new to this and it's all it's all pretty great and i i highly recommend checking it out but the the new game is just even better i think as just like i would almost recommend having kid people with kids play this um let your kids play through it just because it is a really good uh primer on mental health that you know was not available when i was a kid and it go it talks about panic attacks and it's not like a let's sit down and have a conversation about a panic attack what happens to you during a panic attack do you ever feel thirsty do you feel like your head's going to explode none of that bullshit you know panic attacks are literally an enemy within the game and you see a character basically go through the stages of anxiety leading up to a full-blown panic attack. And while you're fighting the panic attack, which acts like a panic attack, I don't know. It is overwhelming. It's fast. And it, um, it kind of seems like it's, it seems like it's bigger than it is because it literally splits into five of itself and attacks you and it's bouncing all over the place, which is a fucking panic attack. Like if I had to make a panic attack into a monster, that's correct. How do you defeat the fucking panic attack in Psychonauts 2? You get a special power that is slowing things down. You literally defeat the panic attack with a power that lets you take a breath. And the fucking, the guy that's in the background that's having panic attacks, you're helping him. The entire time you're in his brain, you're really helping him through um, some mental trauma that's causing these. But also you're helping him one by one deal with his panic attacks. And he's apologizing. He's like, I don't mean, I don't mean to, 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 be, to be doing this. And I need to just <gasps> take a breath. <gasps> and like, you know, it kind of gets you. And it's, it's, it's very healthy because I didn't even know what a fucking panic attack was until I was 27. And I've been having them for years. <laughs> I was having them bad in the Marine Corps when I was a fucking combat veteran. Like literally. Uh, I would I would have like moments where I'm seeing stars because I'm so fucking freaked out like just getting a shower like like jittering and shit it's so cool that kids these days are gonna have access to something like that to just figure it out and you know they have other stuff regret regrets are an enemy 
uh, self-judgment is an enemy, you know? And the judgment enemy is like one of the best. Like it's it's just so good. It's like the 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 upbeat, kid friendly version of Silent Hill Two. I don't know how to describe it any better. Like instead of having you know trauma manifest attacking you, you see your trauma manifest and 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 deal with it in very healthy, obvious ways. Regrets are literally. Um, little things, they're little tiny things that carry around heavy weights. And if you take their weight away from them, if you take away the weight of regret, it's harmless. And you can just literally brush it out of the sky. Um, there's another one. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, a, I think it's literally just like depression squirting around. And it slows you down if you run past it. And it's this just blob, 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 blob. And you burn it. If you set it on fire, it'll go away. And then there's the normal enemies, which are called sensors, which are from the first game, and they're just fun. Um, and judgment, yeah, self-judgment. Judgment if you is extremely dangerous if you let him keep his mallet. And if you take his mallet away from him, if you literally take away his power, he can still kind of fuck with you, but you can take it away from him. You know what I mean? You can like literally strip self-judgment of its power over you. But how great of a fucking metaphor is that for somebody? And I just think it would be cool for a kid to experience something like that and just get a a primer on, on mental health, you know? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because people really don't um, deal with things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, at least back when I was a kid, because I'm thinking about it, it. That's kind of the purpose of this. I'm thinking about 20 years ago, you know what I mean? When I was in school, teachers would tell kids that were probably having panic attacks or undergoing extreme depression and depressive episodes that they needed to like get over it, that they needed to fucking wake up, you know, like, hey, there's bigger problems in the world. And their parents, they, they get that from their parents too. And from the kids at school who are like, I'm not undergoing a problem right now. So I don't have any context to say if this thing is real or not. All I know is that when I see kids like me bring these problems up to adults, the adults tell them that their problems are not as bad as they seem, that they are not affecting them in the way that they are, that they are an irritation at best for bringing this up and that they could have solved the problem on their own by just doing some normal stuff. And because of that, the implication is you're probably weak for being afflicted by this at all. And um, people shouldn't be like you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that was the fucking early, early 2000s. And there was so much mental health shit going on when I was in high school. And all of these parents... I fucking remember this. And the, the older people, you'd see it on the news. And it, it fucking brain poisoned me too. 
I'd be like, I don't get it, man. Why are these kids fucking bipolar and shit? You know, like every fucking girl I would run into, like just all these, it just seemed like it was everywhere. It's like bipolar. I was bipolar. I have, I have depression issues. Like I'm this, I'm that. And these are actually, they were actually probably legitimate issues. We were two years into a war that would last 20 years unbeknownst to us. That would literally bankrupt or outright prematurely end the futures of kids going to that school for fucking decades. For decades. Every day, kids that were 13 or 14 years old would wake up and see guys being decapitated on the news. On the news. I saw that one dude, the fucking uh, reporter, get his fucking head cut off with a little blurry thing put over it. And then after that, just pictures of people like you that died. Some of them you knew. They would get on the fucking speakers on in school and be like, hey, everybody, we hate to announce it, but this guy from the graduating class of 2000 has unfortunately died during Operation Iraqi Free or like in, in Iraq during combat with whatever the fuck. Dude, our fucking generation was so traumatized. I imagine maybe the boomers were too, and they just don't want to fucking deal with it. We just sucked it up. It's like, what did you do? Oh, we spent the rest of our entire lives buying up real estate and stealing the future of our own children so that uh, we could feel better about ourselves because we never really accomplished any of the things that we set out to do in the 1970s. (laughs) And, you know, that's not the entirety of the generation, just its largesse. But man, it's fucking insane. It is fucking insane. And I guess also, like, at least in the 1960s, you know, that was just the the, the parents' TV and maybe the radio, and you could get away from that shit. I was the first internet generation where, like, you could go on a dead person's MySpace and watch his family have breakdowns and just read through them. Like, how wild is that? Like, hey, this guy died. Do you want to go look at his MySpace? Sure. Or he's got a GeoCities website. Neat. Like, you could just find people's suicide notes just laying out on the internet. These kids today are just like fucking, I don't know if they're not exposed to it. Or if it's like filtered out better. Or if they just have like a better way of dealing with it. I hope they do. I hope we're not fucking them up even worse than we were fucked up. But god damn, 20 years ago. Wild. Wild. Oh my God. It was just nonstop. Imagine being fucking gay in 2001. And like literally, I mean, at least, yeah, in the 1970s and shit, you could get it at school and you would get it like sort of in the media. But in the media was distance. Like, like you could turn off a radio and a TV, but like you could just never escape it, man. They had like, flash games where it was just like kill a gay person and it would just be like the fucking uh fab five from like straight queer eye for the straight guy from back in the day and you could just blow them away with in a flash game and stuff all those do people remember kill a fucking celebrity flash games like that's what the fuck we were up to in the early 2000s how the fuck did any of us get out alive <laughs> what in the, what in the fuck was going on? Oh my god. I haven't even thought of this 
really until I was just, but Jesus Christ, man, like the, the progress, it was bad, but we've made a lot of progress and it's just not enough yet. If you want to be upset about not enough progress, insufficient, do it. Don't be mad that we didn't do enough just yet because we're still alive and we're still working. You know what I'm saying? Get mad if people are fucking saying it's enough is okay. But like, hold on to that anger and keep fucking working because I guess we're making some sort of, some sort of fucking change. Oh my God. Just even thought of that. Fucking what the fuck? How <laughs> about jackass was the height of television? Every day, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do all day? I skateboard. I fucking listen to songs from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Shoplift. I buy Chipotle. That was back. Chipotle was four fifty. That's how old I am now. I'm just starting to remember how cheap stuff was. A Chipotle burrito was four fifty, and they used to be like twice the size. We would go steal from the fucking Best Buy next door, and then we would get a Chipotle. <laughs> like, like kids I knew that actually had money would be like, "Hey man, like I could buy this CD." I'm like, "Hey, why don't you hold on to that twelve dollars, and I will steal that CD, and you can give me." $8, which is enough for a fucking Chipotle and a drink and a little spending money for, for me for later. Subsidize my fucking business. <laughs> oh my God. 20 years. I don't shoplift anymore, by the way. I, I, I just don't. It, it, it does not appeal to me to do it. And I buy everything off fucking Amazon anyway. I, I've truly stabbed uh, big box stores in the back twice. Very deeply in my lifetime, but I don't care. I don't. I don't really care what happens to Best Buy, as an organization. Like they treat their workers like shit. You know, I know people who've worked at the Best Buy, and none of them were like, "Man, it was the best job I ever had." I had met so many cool people. It was one of the best opportunities. I learned so much. Like I wouldn't have uh, this this sports car and this house in the Hamptons if it weren't for Best Buy, <laughs> dude. I remember when treating uh I remember when treating waiters and shit was just like the coolest thing to do. That was 20 years ago. I, I, I like it, it, people would be proud of themselves for not tipping because like this fucking poor stressed 24-year-old girl was just like I, I'm sorry I forgot to put fresh ice in your water before I brought it back. <laughs> well, I guess you're going to go hungry tonight, aren't you, Susan? Should have thought about that before you dropped out of high school to have a baby. She's like, I'm, I'm working my way through my doctorate. Oh, oh I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, they're the worst, dude. Those old people are fucking trash, man. Oh, Lord. Speaking of trash and shit that I enjoy... Um, new season of American Horror Story. That might be why the only reason anyone even jumped into this very deep, very deep into the program, nearly an hour and a half. Um, I'm currently watching, I guess there's like a big mix up. I thought, I thought it was American Horror Stories that I was going to be watching, but apparently I'm watching American Horror Story double feature. But Horror Stories is out? I don't know. I, I tried to look it up on Wikipedia so that I could just have like a bit of a background in what was going on because when I looked up American Horror Stories, it was not what I've been watching. 
So what I'm currently experiencing in the American Horror Story franchise is uh, American Horror Story Red Tide, which is um, feature one in the American Horror Story double feature season of six episode stories. Are you confused yet? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. It's the first time I, I guess my, my revolutions have come. I haven't liked any seasons of American horror story that much since season one with a few notable exceptions that being, um, hotel was pretty good. And sideshow carnival freak show freak show um american horror story freak show was good too pretty good a lot of writing mistakes um the what was the one where they were in the south that one was the last one i watched watched i think and that one was mediocre. No, 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 no. That's not the last one I watched. The second last one I watched. That one was mediocre. And then the last one I watched was Apocalypse, I think. Or Cult. Cult. I watched Cult, and Cult was so bad. <laughs> Cult was trash. And, and that's just like American Horror Story is the most interesting franchise, like on earth to me. It makes no sense. Like, it is the most inconsistent, um, occasionally good, oftenly bad show ever. There is no consensus in the writing room. I refuse to believe it. There cannot be one person that just has a vision for any season of that show. It's like, if you don't know much about it, uh, American Horror Story, it's on its 10th season now. I guess maybe 11th. I don't know how American Horror Stories fits into that. Those are all one-offs that are apparently out right now, but I don't know. I guess they're on Hulu. I haven't seen them. I thought that's what I was going to watch, and then it wasn't. But um, it started with what they now call Murder House, right? And the first one was amazing. It was great. It was weird. It was kitschy. Um, kind of a mix of new and old school Hollywood horror. It understood the genre very well. And it had a really good cast of characters. It was very sexy. It was very gory. And it had a lot of good character moments. I liked it. Overall, I really enjoyed it. It's The score was something I would listen to consistently. And this is back before I started writing. But if I was writing then, I would have probably listened to that a lot. I mean, I was writing, but not like I do now. Um, and then the second one was American Horror Story Asylum. And that's when everyone's like, oh, so it's going to be a different story. And that's when the story completely fell apart in every sense of the word. Uh, they, are, they were originally all supposed to be tangentially related as in like literal different parts of the exact same story. I remember people saying that when it came out, I might be wrong, but, um, asylum just went fucking wild and it started off good, got weird, got really good, then fell apart completely. Like it, it had like, I think five entire plots start to finish which like literally did range from 
good to bad to uh, just unreconcilable bullshit. <laughs> like, like I, I almost wonder if somebody was just like, I am so fucking, me, you, and Tom, us three, we're so rich. Like, if we fuck this up, and I don't think we will, but even if we did, we, we, we wouldn't be fired. So let's just do, let's just each one of us come in and write the whole episode by ourselves without looking at the last episode, <laughs> except for some notes. And that's what it feels like. Like, um, every episode feels like a fan fiction of the episode previous. I, I don't know how to describe it any better. It's not bad. It, there's some pretty cool parts of it. For some reason, Adam Levine from Maroon 5 is a, uh, a framing device character. They tried to make him an actor. Okay. 2011 was a weird year. Um, or 2012, I guess. That's the year I stopped smoking. Holy shit. 2012. I've almost stopped smoking for a full decade. That's neat. Um, but yeah, that was Asylum. And then there was American Horror Story Coven. And so like right around the midpoint of season two, American Horror Story got like a really like, uh, it was like a really well received by like gay America for having like cool, like a lot of like LGBT themes and like pretty good queer characters and queer representation on screen. And um, also like, you know, other sorts of stuff that that subculture like really, really appreciates like a lot of the kitschy shit and like the, some of the over the top acting stuff. And so I feel like, that was a demographic that in the third season they really wanted to hit home is like the now wine moms of 2021 and also like their potential gay BFFs. And they made American Horror Story Coven, which is the most confused, stupid, <laughs> senseless fucking season of of show ever. It's, it's so bizarre. They go for this, you know, female empowerment thing that I'm, I'm, I'm about it, but they do it in a way where it's like, at some point they were like, well, we can't let the women ever be disempowered either. Cause we want them to be strong women. And everyone's like, yes, but they also need to have really big moments where they prove that they're strong women. Yes. And then they kind of created this like weird inversive curve. Like I don't even know how to describe it where like somehow these like characters, it's mostly all basically all female main cast are constantly having these like, I am what, what are they? Called? I am the Supreme kind of shit. I guess it's really how it can be fucking boiled down. I am the Supreme. Um, and they have these like big moments, but they're, they're never earned like ever. Or if they're earned, it's like something gets added for a episode, like even half an episode. Like this formerly badass bitch will be doing stuff. And then someone will be like, that's that guy from your past who was mean to you. And she'll be like, I was a trauma and my trauma is bad. And they'll be like, but you are a lady and strong with us, the coven. And she'll be like, yes, my trauma and also this man are dead. Which, you know, hey, man, it's cool. Like, love it if you love it. it. It's, in addition to all that, there's just tons of 
bad writing, just like bad, bad, like introduced to like a lot of just like, hey, what if we did this thing because we forgot to settle it last season or last episode and and just a lot of uh, a lot of clumsy juggling, weird spots. The overall look of the season is really not good compared to previous seasons. Um, I guess if you wanted to be an asshole, you could probably bring up like five or six good shots of of Coven and and, and three or four bad shots from Asylum and, and Murder House. But it really just doesn't seem as 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 competently done as the previous seasons. I don't know why that is or what was going on that might have caused that. It was super strange and and it really did sort of fall apart and I just didn't watch it. Like I watched Asylum and the ending of Asylum pissed me off so bad that I just didn't even bother with season 3 and then everything I heard about season 3 they're like this is fucking trash. <laughs> so I didn't watch it. And then, you know, we kind of get into my, uh, my, my, my nomadic phase. I didn't watch any of it for a while. And then I started picking up with, uh, when, when I started dating Sam several years later. And so, you know, things would come out and I would try a little bit of it. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I started watching American Horror Story with her again, was actually like two or three years after we'd been together. So there's like, whatever, five seasons saved up. And so we watched a bunch of them. And I was like, freak show good. Hotel, pretty great. Also, sometimes dumb, but generally, Evan Peters as a sociopath Walt Disney. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I love him. I love him as that. I love, I love Evan Peters. Evan Peters is, is just, he's, he's the bee's knees. You know what? Maybe that's why I didn't like Coven. Evan Peters is just like a zombie. He's like a hot zombie that a lady keeps in her fucking bedroom or some shit which is not the appropriate use of a peters he is meant to smolder be a scary kind of and then eventually he will do a laugh and then that's good he'll do an evan peters you laugh which ranges from like a small <laughs> to just like absolute <laughs> he's fucking great he's great in the new season which I guess I should probably start talking about. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through, I'm going to watch American Horror Story um, season 10, Red Tide. I'm going to watch Red Tide all the way through. I'll talk about it. I might be back just next week too. So if you're watching American Horror Story and you just want to, um, you just want to chat about it with me and, uh, and, and, and keep up to date with it, you should join our Discord. I'll be talking about it in there. We already are talking about it, so... Hit up the Discord. The link is, as always, in the description kind of thing. But Red Tide so far. Um, watch it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I haven't seen the whole thing. So far, it is the best season of American Horror Story that I've seen since Murder House, which is saying a lot. Uh, the camera work is amazing, first off. A applause, applause, applause. Um, the, the, I guess it probably has something to do with just the idea that American Horror Story is always a different story every season. So on that note, you would probably be doing different stuff with your camera season to season, which makes sense. So, you know, like um, season one was, I guess, kind of just shot, shot traditionally as a traditional horror show might have been shot in 2011. It's the one of the very few seasons I think takes place in the year of its creation, you know? So it is, it is 2011, 2012, whatever the fuck. 
And um, yeah, it's it, it, it's pretty straightforward, good, good lighting, good angles, a lot of neat makeup effects on, on the various people. There's the rubber man suit that was very cool. Good use of color, a lot of blacks and whites and reds that all kind of mix in together. And it was very nice. Um, Asylum, I can say pretty much the same sort of thing about. A little a little on the muted side, Asylum was kind of dark, maybe a little a little darker than it needed to be at times, just because the set was like already like black stone and like dark gray things. And I think, yeah, it was all nuns, so they were wearing like black and white, so it could be a little dark at times. But it, it, it worked. Ultimately, it worked. Um, Coven was like very white. Uh, maybe almost a little bit too white, as I remember, and, and a little, a little, a little blanched, I guess you would say, um, from what I can remember of it. I remember their house was a very big white house, and I remember there was a lot of staircase shots and and and, and women doing stuff, but it was fun. Um, it was it was it was it was it was fine. I guess it was sufficient. I can't remember any particularly good shots from Coven at all. Um, I remember a few good ones, a few, a few really good scenes in general, maybe not good shots, but a few very good scenes, um, just kind of like in their pacing, their angles and stuff from Murder House, uh, particularly when the main character, the dude, what is it? I can't remember his fucking name at all, but he's the dad. He gets hanged, kind of tossed off the fucking railing, and then you just see his body hanging there. It's pretty dope. And there's a few other neat ones too. It's a lot of a lot of close work though, because you know there's there's gore effects and shit. So it is what it is. Freak Show had some pretty good camera. Um, they had really good sets. They had really good set pieces. There's a lot of musical numbers that were real fun in that, and those those were well shot. Uh, hotel was kind of dingy and very close, so they didn't really have a lot of room to work with good camera stuff i guess it's not really a it's not a real excuse but i mean you get kind of limited to like everybody that takes video and they have a horror background or they're making horror stuff and they're in a fucking hotel is going to be like hey man i don't know if you noticed but this scene right here is an homage to the shining Hey, what can you do? I mean, like, just it, it, interiors are just a pain in the ass to make look cool. It, it, it's more on you just need to have a really good subject. You know what I'm saying? I digress. Uh, the other ones, negligible. American Horror Story, Apocalypse, or Cult looked like shit almost all the time. It was it was just really bland, really boring colors. Very suburban, very blah, 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 blah. The palette was just all over the place. Billy Eichner was allowed to yell into a microphone. That hurt me. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, there is something to say. Like, every one of their seasons that gets a little too serious is almost always followed by a season that is just, like, way too campy. And, and fucking Cult was, like, so goddamn campy. But Red Tide, man, they are money on some of the shots. Particularly, who's ever doing their exteriors with the beach and the murders on the beach is, 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 is fucking is money. There's a lot of other really good, good work being done. I, I feel like they need to let somebody loose with that camera because their actors aren't bad actors, but this is a more uh, 
thoughtful at times. It's a little slower. There's not a lot of action. There's a lot of moments where people are walking and thinking or going places. And uh, particularly along the beach, like I said, whoever's doing their exteriors is pretty money, especially on their beach shots. But um, the there are a lot of like parts where they, you were just so close to an amazing fucking angle. Like you were just, you were right there or, or not even maybe not, not even amazing angle, but just a much better shot for that scene. Um, and I, I just wish they could have, could have gotten it. Um, but it's for, pretty good it, I'm, for fucking American horror story. It's like, uh, you might as well, this is, it's, it's like French cinema compared to the other ones. Which were just so dull and drab. There's a there's just way too much shooting of like TV angles. I don't know how to say that better, but uh, if you're gonna shoot something that is like you know like Twin Peaks does it. Twin Peaks does a lot of uh, TV angles. I don't know how to say that better, but they they basically choose the same shots that you'd see in like any basic TV show. There's not a lot of super cinematic parts until they are. And in because of the way that they sh- do their shot selection in Twin Peaks, you know, right now I'm, I'm shooting it in these like these little swaying close-ups on faces and I'm following eyes and doing like gentle track-ins. So, you know, it gets that police procedural mixed with daytime soap opera feel, you know, soft focus, soft lighting, good even mixes. And then you get big full room static unmoving shot or, or or almost slightly imperceptibly moving moving like a security camera the camera which has been you know nice chest height zoomed in on faces delicate not delicate angles but um treating your your characters very delicately letting their faces express and emote and be the star of the show all of a sudden now you are a fucking security camera you know up in the thing and there's a dancing short man with fucking gangly arms talking backwards the floor is zigzagged everybody everybody's being shot from the top down it's absolutely jarring and so using just still the same amount of camera equipment you can accomplish something fucking amazing and i feel like they miss that in most tv shows let's be perfectly frank i don't know why i mean obviously you don't want to be jarring in something like modern family you're not going to be trying to uh to to really hit some like impressive emotional angles you're not trying to inform with the camera you're just letting you're just letting the film roll and letting some comedians you know fart their way to a million dollar paycheck it is what it is but in something like this show it is almost so good with their camera angles that uh, and in and, and their shot choices that I'm like, I, I get a little disappointed because I'm like, oh man, you could have done this right there and that would have been fucking sick. You know, zoom the camera out a little bit. Let the let 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 the the audience experience just how lonely this dude is as he's walking down this road. There's a good shot where or a good sequence really where our main character is walking around and there's all these red lights, these red porch lights are turning on on uh, on on the porches. The Color palette is very blue. It's a we're we are very much in the cyan color space in this, which makes blood look very black. It's very very corrupted, very stainy. You know, um, 
anybody with blue eyes, their blue eyes kind of shine a little bit more, which, you know, if you're going to have characters with that eye color, which they do, you know, it's a, it's a good choice. Um, it makes it because this is set up in uh, New England. I think they're in New Hampshire, Cape Cod. They're in Cape Cod, I believe. I I, I neither know nor care. They're they're on coastal, coastal New Hampshire, Maine, Delaware, whatever the fuck. Um, but they are on the coast, the cold coast, and this this crisp blue color palette really really sells that feeling, you know. And it it because it's blue, it's very chilling. And it does kind of increase the isolation aspect. And they're in this creaky, worn New England home, light windows. Everything clicks. Everything snaps when you touch it. If you push the window up and down, it up and down. Sounds great, by the way. Sound never gets, never really gets a nod unless it's bad. Uh, sound is good in this season. Um, the sound effects are nice. They have a very good closeness, a very good crispness. Um, the Foley people are on point when it's time to not do uh, nice scenes and you get a little ugly. The ugliness comes through very well. But this uh, this blue really, really, really sends off anything red, which is intentional. There is an entire subset of areas that get a red color palette or an otherwise warmer color palette particularly when we're dealing with our uh, antagonists or our deuteragonists who are uh, persons of violent means these scenes get very very warm and hot and low the good difference is and like this is very much a selective difference i don't know if they did it intentionally but if they did or didn't it was excellently done the transition from the exterior, the daytime exteriors, which are cold and blue and isolating, but very large and very bright. They're fully lit um, almost at all times, even inside the house. The house that this guy lives in is full of light at all times. Not, you know, not in any way where you'd be like, oh, it's full of light. But, you know, everyone's always illuminated. There's no hard shadows. Then we go from a cold color palette writ broad to this nightclub called The Muse. By the way, stay the fuck away from scars in time. I will cut you, you motherfucker. No, I would have loved to have found out that they even read it. But um, we go to this nightclub, and the nightclub is very, very dark, very hard shadows, and very red. And the set-off is perfect. You know, you can tell that he's, functionally speaking, inside a different world now. And when that color palette follows him from place to place, you can tell how much of that world he's brought with him scene to scene. Very well done, basic cinematic language. And like, as simple as that is, something that's just not done enough in, in, in TV these days, like it's insane. I think people don't really get that the reason that Netflix shows look so good is just because people allow cinematographers to use cameras. Back in the 60s and 70s, you know, a lot of, TV was shot live uh, when you can't fuck around and shot, by the way, on camera equipment that weighed two, three, five hundred fucking pounds and was literally encrusted with wires. If you got a dolly camera, you were the biggest fucking production on 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 the soundstage. You know what I mean? If you had two dolly cameras, you're awesome. So that's the only way that you can get swooping down in shots, anything angular, everything else is shot on these static cams, which are set just a little bit below the stage. 
can kind of get cranked up and down, and then they get kind of pushed around on on just you know caster legs, caster wheels. You don't get a lot of angles from that, you know. You get only horizontal, basically, and a little bit of up and down. You can get your zooms, and so that's what you were limited to, and so that's what people grew kind of used to, and so that's what the language of TV cinema became, and that's a big reason why. And you know, stars and stuff are like, well, I want to be on the big screen because of whatever, and blah 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 blah. But people that actually made the shit differentiated between TV and film, not because of the fucking payout, really, because sometimes they were kind of negligible. The TV stars would make shitloads of money compared to almost everybody except for the AAA stars. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I get paid $70,000 every day. You get paid a million dollars every three years kind of deal. So... um these these limited techniques made it so that the f- TV shows always looked very similar. You know what I mean? Every cop show you've ever seen from back in the day is, you know, especially this one, it's, you know, somebody walks in and there's like a little long, slow tracking shot, a little bit of rightward movement from the camera, and a dude sits in a desk. And they talks to a guy. And then he goes into a thing and there's a little leftward movement from the camera and a zoom down onto the, onto the body. But there's not like really dynamic angles because these cameras are so fucking heavy you can't do shit with them. And if you want to buy the equipment to make them fly, you've got to have fucking insurance and shit because somebody might get a fucking 200-pound camera dropped on their head. And then you got the LED, the, the, the lights back in the day are the size of a fucking basketball get hotter than hell. And then you have to swing those fucking things around too. And they all weigh 35 pounds. And they're already up. You're, if you're flying anything, you're flying the fucking lights first. So nowadays, though, we have LED lights, which, you know, are 10 times as brighter and cost a third as much to fucking run, if not way less. Don't get anywhere near as hot. They still do get hot. And they're lights. You can fucking fly them anywhere. You can literally just go and buy Hollywood Hollywood grade lights from a fucking hardware store. It's like the same fucking thing, dude. The only difference is instead of, you know, whatever, like a a two inch total diameter on your, your, your light disc, it might have like a five inch and you can still buy those at fucking Home Depot that don't get hung up. Like most of those really nice lights that you see in Hollywood is just any basic light that you've ever seen with a constant power source. That's kind of hard to rig. The rigging is what's actually really, a big pain in the ass to do putting boxes and snoots and fucking gels and shit on those is the, is the actual big pain in the ass. And then knowing how to fucking swing them and stuff. But I, I, I digress. You should be trying to use stuff like that as much as you can. in in, in these modern things, and I guess if, you know, if you know that you can not have to deal with that and you can get 15, 25 fucking shots without having to alter any lighting, move stuff here or there and you know you've got your camera set up in one place and you're like all right we're just gonna do this two times one time get it done and save three thousand dollars okay fine but i just feel like nowadays it's so much cheaper that why why try to save money there like just move your camera around a little bit try to try to experiment with something and like a lot of the fucking camera angles you could be getting you know are not that much more difficult, especially if you're shooting in a pretty decent daytime setting. I just imagine with him walking down this street and these lights coming on before one of the embarrassing parts of the season happens, just like let the camera hang the camera down by his feet. 
like literally just have it on a gimbal, push it behind him, and just start on the houses, right? Or start on start on him, maybe, and just have it his face, right? So we're fucking walking. He's just, you know, thinking, like, maybe even have him saying something to himself. Because he's a he's a writer, by the way. The main character of this is a, a writer who's trying to start something for a script. And just have him just being like, because ah, he's in the scene I'm talking about. He's walking to the store. And he's like, maybe he's walking to the store. You know, it's, God damn. Maybe like uh, if I if I if I did like this, or if they came in from the south and like pull away from his his thing, you know, you have him walking. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's almost good. Yeah, you guys can't see. I can tell that you can't hear it, but you're walking. You know, He's walking, mumbling to himself, and we you know, we pull away, right? And have the have the music going, and even even have like a nice click. I like when when uh, music informs the speed of the scene too. Um, I can't really do it that much. I wish I could do the things that I talk shit about, but it is what it is. So just have you know like a little. talking to himself, and the camera is on his face. You know, he's really good looking guy. Kind of looking around, he looks up, looks down. We're swinging the camera over to his right cheek, you know, and then it, we're, we're, we're close. I mean, imagine your hand away from your face. It swings around back by his shoulder, and it shows the, the street, right? So we, we've rotated out a full 180 degrees now, or actually just, just shy of 180. So we're diagonal showing real slow while he's talking da, 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 da. you see the sky you can see this this nice long street there's somebody at the end of the street wait what was that and then you see the houses right and it's and as you go down one of these red lights flicks on ah red red porch light interesting and then we swing down and we see his feet and you know and as, as we go down, then we follow and tilt back. Mm-hmm. Then you get your first, like, little, uh, your, your, your first swing on the cello. He's walking, right? So we, the camera kind of twists up just a little bit. And you can see something freaking out in the street, you know? And you can tell because when we last left him, your mind's eye knows that he's looking down at the ground. He's thinking to himself. He's not paying attention to where he's going. And you see up there just something black figure, some human in like a coat or something. That's an odd way to be dressed with a disgusting pale white head. Back and forth on the street, maybe even better, chewing on something like, Maybe it just goes, and they, yeah, yeah, why not? It's, it's American Horror Story, so they like to do the, the little cheapies, little little viola string. And he fucking get it and something, tackles something in the street just as this passes our guy's feet. So you're like, oh, fuck, what the fuck was that? Still walking. And then we're going up. We go up to the other side. And you see there's many of these red lights outside. Three or four of them are on. And then we kind of realize, oh, shit, it's getting dark. Click, 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 click. 
This entire side of the street's red. Now we swing forward and there's three of these things in the street all just curled down over something. (laughs) Freaking out. And then the camera goes back and now you see the other side of the street where we saw the first light on. All red too. And then we get to our guy and he stops. What the fuck? And then, you know, we swing back around his head and he's kind of like stepping back and he's right on top of him, you know, and you can do that by having the camera wide, right? And you can do that shift focus that people see. So when, when, when the camera's wide, it pushes out. Everything that's far goes further out. So actually, while you're shooting this, if you have this in wide, it'll, it'll bubble a little bit, maybe. You might have to mess with the fucking camera a bit. It'll bubble a little bit, but then when you get back to him and you're on his face, you know, kind of, kind of far away, it'll make these guys look like they're a million miles away. So when you get back behind him, what you do is you pull back, but you also shift out your focus from whatever. I guess we'd probably be about 20, 2035. I don't know if they'll be doing single lens. I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't be wanting to do a single lens if I'm doing this trick. You want to have a fucking telephoto of some sort. And so, you know, you telephoto, you ring out, and then you adjust your uh, plane of focus so that it does the effect. You know what I'm talking about probably where the, it looks like everything's collapsing, but the uh, thing in the middle stays the same. So we do that to him. And, uh, In this case, it will drag because we're going to go from in to out. We're going to zoom. We're actually going to be zooming in. Sorry. We're going from zoomed out to zoom in. It will actually drag these things closer to him as though by magic, even though it's all in the the camera frame. So it'll pull them closer to him as we we pull up and zoom up back. And then, you know, who knows what we can like pull all the way up. And then you just see two more things run across the street and then just, just a jump cut to one of its faces because it's American Horror Story. And he's like, ah! <laughs> that could be fun, I think. That would be fun to me as far as a shot goes. But I digress. Not my decision to make, but I feel like a few more things of that would be fun. But on that note, we do get to one of the things that I dislike so much about this season. And it's the fucking monster design for these, um, we're just going to call them, without too many spoilers, talentless vampires. It's literally what they are. Uh, And they, somebody didn't understand the assignment. That's the most I can really, the best I can really sum it up. So these things are, there's two types of vampires, right? Um, Vampires don't have their own teeth that are scary. There are um, talented vampires and talentless vampires. Talented vampires get to keep all their uh, motivations, their human intellect, um, and, and they get a few other bonuses, which I won't discuss for spoiler reasons. Um, no human, no superhuman strength as far as I know. And uh, they are afflicted with a need to drink blood of some sort, generally human, but also uh, they can go ghoulish like these ones do. Uh, the ta- untalented ones do not retain any of their humanity. They're just uh, hissing, screaming, flipping, flopping, flo- floating douches. They all go bald and they all go pretty pale. They're multiracial. Um, so, you know, you, you, every, every kind of race, but pale. 
uh, and bald and predominantly male, by the way. I didn't see any females, which I don't know if is, is intentional, which would be a uh, ha funny, funny. I get it. I get it. Um, and if not, it is what it is. But I think we'll see an untalented female before the end of the season if my suspicions are correct. Um, the thing that's awful about them is for some reason they're all dressed like, I don't like, uh, the council of vampires from like true blood. I I don't even know how to describe it. They're literally wearing like a part, like party city grade, gigantic stoop shouldered or not stoop, but like flared shoulder cape robe things that look there. It's like when something's too cool to actually be cool. I don't know how to describe that any better. They look like they could be fucking walking in with the undertaker at WWE, which is like kind of a nod. Like they could be pretty good designs, but because they're supposed to be feral first and foremost, it doesn't make any sense. How do they stay clean? Why aren't they dirtier? All they eat is fucking animals that they find on the seashore and like random homeless people that they come across. So also it's very explicitly stated that you don't get fancy vampire teeth in this. You have to make your own by grinding your teeth down, but which you do through a dentist, like a licensed dentist. Who's also a a fucking vampire. And is she capture releasing these things and giving them the sharp teeth. How are none of their teeth broken if it's just still normal human teeth, but they just need to drink blood? Why aren't they fucking super gross? Why are they so well dressed? (laughs) And it's not done in a way where I'm like, this is kind of amazing because it's so stupid. It's just so dumb because they also are like, uh, They all have to be dancers. You know what I'm saying? Um, So they do like the horror movie gesticulation mambo where they do the little the shoulders are going around and shit. They're all sort of in a stop motion flash dance. You know, every time you see one of them or at least the first few times you see one of them, they're somebody's putting them through like variable speed um, editing. So like. You know, we're going from 30 frames per second to like 25 frames per second to like 15 frames per second on something that's all shot at like 30. And so you go like real fast, real slow, real fast, real slow, real fast, real slow, real slow, normal, mixed in. And it's, it's not good. (laughs) Because it just doesn't make any sense um, with the setting. The setting is so dour and serious, which I like. You know, and you don't have to keep it all super serious all the time. But like there's two different two different ways to break that seriousness. One is the uh way that they chose with these vampires, which is bad because they're like not interesting to look at. They're very bland. Um as I told you before, it's already a blue filter and they are naturally paled. You know, so it's it's white people or 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 black people whatever different colors of skin but with like paling makeup on so their their skin is basically detextured and desaturated already from normal skin tones which work better with normal light so there's light falling on heavily makeuped skin basically 
So it's not getting a lot of natural reflection or refraction. It's, it's, it's getting really dulled when it hits them. So they are dull looking with really dark clothes in a scene that's going toward night. And they're in a street that is a, a street. So the street's already dark itself. So it, it's very bland. And I just don't, I don't like them very much. And there's also, I, they're, this is where their color, their color palette fails them also. So having a cyan, cyanized, blue-eyed, whatever the fuck, color palette is, makes your blood look really, really black right? Anything red is going to become purple because it's got uh, blue on it. Blood is already a very, very saturated, dark red. You know what I mean? It's almost brown, literally. If you put blue light on it, it becomes such a deep indigo. It looks basically black in certain scenes. So, it doesn't really shine if, or it doesn't really stand out that well if everything that's, if it's contrasted against a paled out version of white that looks a little bit more gray. So their skin's almost kind of grayish. The blood on it is turning black. It's already, it's, it's white with added cyan because of the filter. So it's already blued out, blued out a little gray from the makeup, not refracting a lot of light because it's dark. The blood's kind of black. And then to further de-accentuate everything, this guy's wearing very high-collared, very large around the head, black clothing. So you just end up with this kind of smudgy nightmare, you know, which sounds cooler than it is. I think it would have been better for them to, at night switch to a red filter or switch off of a blue filter and really let the red shine through better. Because if you turn that to red, if you turn the filter to red or you just switch to a normal filter with um, predominantly red accent lighting, you know, um, natural lighting. So you have the sun, sun comes down, sun's naturally blue. It's not cyanized. So whatever you Eight seven seventy five hundred k eight eight thousand seventy five hundred eight thousand k. You know, sunlight coming from the moon is is that sort of blue, which is what we consider white, um, white light, as opposed to yellow or green as the other basic colors. You know, anything else you kind of have to add a gel to. So, or we don't you don't do gel. I'm sorry. Anyway, so you have all these nice red porch lights, right? So imagine your central light through the middle of this. Is, is going to be natural white blue. So now you've gone from this comforting, cold blue to something that's going to look yellowed in comparison. It's actually going to be very white. So it's going to go from blue, which is muting, to extremely crisp, extremely crisp white. That's going to make your fucking bald, white, pale, fucking blood-covered vampire explode. Now, if you pump in a little bit of red light from the sides. You know, you just use like a little lantern or something and pretend that those are the, the very bright, quote-unquote, um, street lights that are coming on. Now he's, they're going to have these like sort of uh, bizarre, 
mildly shadow casting red lights on the side of their face. So imagine this vampire is like got red accents reflecting off of its eyes, you know, because the, the, those accents are going to shine more than the white accents that are coming up. So reflected red accents in its eyes, blood that looks extremely red and black in this light. And then he's got his dumb costume on, which is going to contrast better and look way less muddy with all of this white, you know, and then you can also fuck with the contrast because it's night and just make it more contrasty. Just, just do whatever the fuck you want. And when you're, when you're doing your toning, then I think you could have a much better looking overall monster or at least just a better monster reveal scene. You know, that first that you got to do it, you, you zoom in the camera, the thing goes, because ah! that's what every, every vampire, every fucking zombie movie, every, I found somebody eating somebody on the street. We come up, he's got his back to you, or maybe even just the top of his head. I would prefer it just to be the top of its head. And it just looks up and, ah! and it's got the blood all over its mouth. You know, that, that, that fucking scene. And then it would just, it would just fucking slap. And because our blue light has faded and now we're on this red rimmed street, I think visually you're going to get that metaphor of these, these secret red lights, of this unspoken knowledge of what's going on in the town. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit better. And also when you have him basically running away in the next scene or just trying to like charge, whatever, however you're going to do it, you have this thing where you have him no longer looking like the guy we know, well put together, a little blue, a little isolated in these very large shots. You shoot him close. He's got a large area behind him, but it seems small, and it's just just pump up the fucking contrast or pump up the brightness of those, those red lights, and then all you can see are these red lights sort of shining on these ideas of houses. And then, you know, maybe if you shoot it just right around sundown, when the, the shadows are right, everything that's ground level will be extremely dark, almost black if you, if you treat, your, treat your, your, your colors right. And then the sky will still be illuminated and probably like a dusky purplish or, or, or whatever, depending on your cloud cover. And so then you can have him running through there. And I, I just think that would look way cooler. I'm sorry for, for digressing <laughs> that much. But I don't know. That's just what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. One day, one day I'll try to make a movie and then um, you guys can see how bad I am at this shit. And, and, and then you'll be like, oh God, look at this motherfucker talking out of his ass again. He's talking out of his fucking ass again, this kid. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that's what we have so far for American Horror Story double feature Red Tide. I'm probably just going to come back again next week and talk a little bit about it. Hopefully it'll be a, maybe a shorter episode. I don't know. It'll, be, it'll depend if I go on for an hour about fascism or not. <laughs> Which, considering the country we live in, um, probably I'll probably be doing that. But um, yeah, other than that, the writing's pretty good, pretty okay. Um, the wife, I don't like. I don't like that actress. I don't know why. I, I'm just mean to her. She's the same person that plays the, uh, I guess you would call her the red nun in, Co in Coven. I think that's when she's introduced. She's maybe in the first season too as like a real estate agent or something. I'm not sure. But um, no, I think, I think Coven's when she's first introduced. And then she's in all the other seasons too. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty okay. Pretty basic. 
um, but played with, you know, it's a writer trying to, to move on type story and move on with his work. Follows a lot of familiar beats and does most of its work in its characters, which I mean is pretty much every season of American Horror Story. There's unfortunately no Jessica Lange. She's my favorite part of any American Horror Story season uh, pretty much ever, but I think she's temporarily retired from the series. Uh, everybody else is good. Evan Peters is amazing, as usual. His, his fashion choices are fucking incredible. I just really appreciate a, a vampire bar where you go in and everybody looks like a fucking vampire. <laughs> these are the uh, these are the the waspy New England version of vampires from True Blood. Basically, if, if you go style wise, it uh, you could definitely see everybody living in the same the same era. <laughs> but it's uh, it, it it's fun so far. Um, I, I don't expect a lot from it. I never expect a lot from. Um, most things, uh, I, I like to talk about them and stuff, but I can enjoy shit without it being perfect. So I'm not too, too worried about that. And hopefully I could see Candyman um, tonight or in the next few days, and then I will come back and I will uh, talk with you guys about that too. As far as other stuff, very important things. Um, the West Side Fairy Tales horror... No, shit. <laughs> Fuck am I doing? The... Um, book man west side fairy tales season four book the eyes beneath my father's house will be available for purchase in paperback and in uh ebook format next weekend um 20 bucks for the book 10 bucks for the ebook uh yeah straightforward i can't sign an ebook if you bring me your phone with my ebook on it I will sign the screen of your phone, but there is a standing thing. Uh, I will always sign any copy of this book. You find me 10, 15, 20 years down here. I will let you skip a line to come and get that book signed. Like literally just start waving it and be like, Hey, um, I mean, this is if I make it, if I don't make it, it's going to mean nothing. But if I do make it and you have a copy of this paperback, and I'm at one of those fucking signings that those people do. And there's like fucking 20 people in line, five people, 400 people. As long as they aren't also holding that exact same book that you're holding, um, hold it up, come up and be like, Hey man, I'm a day one. And I will, I will let you skip the line. I'll say hi. I'll say, thank you. I will sign the book and, uh, that'll be it. And then all those rest of those people would be like, damn, it's really cool to be a day one. Day one means just an original fan, but, um, yeah, um, that should be, what, I think Friday, September 17th. It's my birthday, which I'm not looking forward to. I'm going to be turning 34. So if you want to buy me a birthday present, buy me your own copy of, of The Eyes Beneath My Father's House. It's going to be available only through Amazon because I am a self-published indie author. Unfortunately, I'm one of those disgusting animals that just has a whole lot of talent and uh, does a whole lot of hard work. But unfortunately, um, I was never given permission to be published by uh, people I've never met. New York City, and so therefore, all of my accomplishments are actually um, imaginary on my part, and I've, I've never really done anything. <laughs> September seventeenth, the eyes beneath my father's house on Amazon. Also, I have a Goodreads author page now. I guess you get one of those when you start making stuff. So, if you're on Goodreads, um, join there and uh, pay attention. I will be getting author copies of the book. I'm buying like one or 200 copies of it um, 
and I will be doing giveaways. I will be doing um, signed signed giveaways and sales and stuff with those. So if you don't have the money for the book for the for the paperback version of the book, keep your keep your eyes out for that. Join us on Goodreads, Goodreads.com. Just search Tyler Bell or The Eyes Beneath My Father's House in the search bar, and you should be able to find me that way. Um, join up, follow it. I, you can ask author questions on there, apparently, which is kind of cool. And um, so if you want any any questions answered, I'll answer West Side Fairy Tales ones too if you want them on there. But um, with all that said, yeah, hit me up out there. Goodreads, patreon.com slash West Side Fairy Tales. The Patreon be shrinking, bro. Once you stop, once you stop releasing regular episodes, the Patreon be shrinking. But um, yeah, with all of that said, I'm really looking forward to this book launch. I mean, I know it's going to be small. I don't have any fucking illusions that I'm going to somehow release a viral book in the year of our Lord 2021. Um, but it would be nice. It's interesting. It's interesting what 20 years will do to you. You know what I'm saying? 20 years ago, I was. 13 you know about to turn 14 and fucking watching towers fall and now here i am and literally never thought i could write a book never wanted to so bad (laughs) that should be a fucking if i I, that would be a patreon goal from hell if i could get two thousand dollars a month on patreon i would literally sit here and read the the few finished pages i have from the first story i ever tried to read Right, which ugh, I can't even remember what the fuck it's called, but I have it in a composition notebook over here. If I got to 2,000, I would absolutely do that. And it would have to be something as high as 2,000 because it's so fucking embarrassing I might die. And I want to leave my wife with something nice. <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck was that called? I can't remember. It was a fucking star study. It's sci-fi. Sci-fi young A, or young adult fiction (laughs) all right with all that said thank you guys so much for sticking around listening to me talk um like i said the patreon's out there everything else is out there much love until next time as always stay safe out there Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, 
the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.